We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Hurricanes Weekly. Sunday, January the 26th, 2020, Super Bowl week in South Florida. Also, lots of University of Miami basketball this week. Canes will be at home against Virginia Tech on Tuesday night on the 28th. Super Bowl Sunday, Miami is on the road against Pittsburgh. But if you're in town for the Super Bowl, welcome to South Florida for the Super Bowl. Our show is driven by Williamson Cadillac, Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. Coming up on the show, we'll hear from Don Bailey Jr. and from the ACC Network, Wes Durham will also join us. Yesterday in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the University of Miami trying to end a three-game losing streak, not only to North Carolina, but a three-game losing streak this year as well. Carolina has their own set of problems. Miami and Carolina meeting for the 33rd time. Carolina leading the all-time series 24-8. The scene, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the Dean Smith Center. Here are the highlights and the reaction. Carolina white uniforms, white jerseys, white pants trimmed in Carolina blue. Says North Carolina on the front of the jersey. Blue numbers, Miami will go left to right. As we face the floor right next to the Miami bench, and away we go. Carolina wins the opening tap. Eight minutes to play in the first half. Beverly picks up his dribble, gets it off to Walker. Walker drives in. Oh, my goodness. A tomahawk violent slam dunk by Anthony Walker. He slammed it so hard his shoe flew off. Wow. The play of the year for Anthony Walker. My goodness gracious. See if that inspires Miami. 24-9. Carolina wants to run. Pierce on the play tech. Oh, it's blocked by Isaiah Wong. What a block by Wong. Wong going left to right down the floor. Trailer Vasilovich. Shot big. One step to his left. In the air and good. Great pointer by DJ Vasilovich. Started on the other end by Wong. Inbounds from Beverly to Miller. On to Anthony Walker. Walker spins. Puts up a tough shot and banks it home. Inbounds goes to Wardenberg. Circles to the free throw line, then passes over to Wong. Steps back, lets a three-pointer fly, and hits. Wong with a three-pointer from the left corner. Vasilovich lifts the ball above his head. Guarded tightly by Keeling. Wardenberg hands it right back to DJ. He's doubled in the right corner. Wardenberg bounces it to Wong. Wong drives in, scores, and he'll go to the free throw line. Maybe if there's a silver lining in this game, maybe Isaiah Wong will get his confidence. On to Miller, right back to Wong. To the left elbow, spins, goes airborne and scores. And earns an extra shot. Isaiah Wong with a terrific drive and float. And put him on the line for another shot. Wong cut off, keeps his dribble alive. Gets in the paint, kicks out. Harrington, a walk-on. Three-pointer good by Willie Harrington. He's a walk-on. Way to go, Willie. Willie brings it down the floor. To the free throw line and back out to Wong for three. Good, Isaiah Wong with a three-pointer. What a half for Isaiah Wong. 17 points for Isaiah Wong. Miami with the ball. It's Beverly. 
Moves it to Walker. He'll take a three-pointer. Good. Anthony Walker with a three. Carolina is going to win this one in a breeze. Listen to this crowd as Carolina is going to snap a five-game losing streak. Joy and relief as the horn sounds at the Smith Center in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. North Carolina 94, Miami 71. That's your final score. We'll come back with our post-game show right after this. Northside the Smith Center, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where the University of Miami Falls at Carolina 94 to 71. Associate Head Coach Chris Caputo is with us. Tough day all the way around. Tough to play in this building without your two best players, Chris. Uh, no Chris Likes, no Cam McGusty, and a very tough afternoon. Yeah, and I, I would even say, Joe, no Keith Stone. Right. You know, I, the team that that, that complement of guys, that group was 5-1 and one, uh, in, in only six games played and some great wins at Illinois and Temple on a neutral side and at Clemson and only lost being at home to Duke. Um, but we haven't had that team, and uh, so you, know, you go in with the best game plan that you think might work. Uh, but when you have six guys, the fouls become a concern. You know, you can try to play. I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but you can try to play as hard as you can defensively. But if you're worried about foul trouble and looking to the bench with one uh, one sub uh, scholarship player, it just makes it difficult. We tried to play some zone, and obviously wasn't very good. And, and we weren't very good, but um, we have a, uh, you know, we – we have a group of guys that have been, you know, obviously dealing with some stuff here in the last uh, couple of weeks. Hopefully we're closer to the mend when we can have our full complement. Um, but certainly it's been difficult. Uh, I was hoping Brandon Robinson would miss today's game, but he, he picked it to come back, and uh, he had himself a heck of a game, 29 points. Yeah, yeah, he, he played great. He shot the ball well. You know, we were concerned about him. If he would play, that the zone would be problematic. Uh he would be problematic in the zone, and certainly he was. Maybe a silver lining for you. Isaiah Wong scored uh, 19 points, played 35 minutes. He looked a lot today like the player you saw probably in high school, maybe like the player we saw in summer camp. Yeah, it looked like he had some Italy. I mean, some Italy in him. You know, like he played well in Italy, and he hopefully he gained some confidence from today. How about uh, the the three freshmen? What do you think they learned from this experience? We'll see. You know, I, I think you can only figure that out by their behaviors going forward there's so many different uh things you can learn in these environments uh and, and against good teams but it's a process for those guys and you know quite frankly um you know if you're you know leaning on those guys too heavily at this point of the year uh it's a problem for us you know they, they've got a ways to go now, freshmen come in they think they're going to conquer the world and then they uh, run into a game like today so they i think they learn a pretty valuable lesson right sometimes well it's humble. it's hard to it's, you can't get better unless you have a certain level of humility. And, uh, you know, if you don't have it, uh, you're going to gain it uh, playing at this level. So uh, hopefully we can uh, we can build off it by learning. And uh, Virginia Tech comes in on Tuesday. Perhaps uh, you'll be back to full strength. That would be nice. They're doing a great job with their team. Uh, coach Young has been a great coach for a long time and uh, can't say enough about uh, how impressed I've been with their group and, and how he's got them playing, so it'll be a very difficult test. Hopefully we can get a little bit healthier. All right, Chris, thank you. Thanks, Joe. All right, that's the way it sounded yesterday in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. When we come back, we'll move our attention to University of Miami football. Don Bailey, Jr. will join us next on Hurricanes Weekly right after this. For this moment, can I have your attention, please, and talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. 
is Williamson Cadillac. He has been in this market for over 52 years in the luxury automobile market. You know, we were having a discussion earlier today about HD radio around here at the radio station, and uh, one of our engineers said, yeah, everybody in Miami has HD radio now because everybody gets new cars and it's a luxury car market. So that leads you to Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been in the luxury car uh, business for 52 years, and right now you can check out the next generation of Cadillac, the Cadillac Escalade, the XT4, the CT6, the 2020 Cadillac XT6 with three rows of luxury. I'm driving the XT5. It is roomy. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's smooth. It's quiet. The XT5. So if you're looking for a classy crossover, may I recommend the XT5. You can visit Williamson Cadillac. They've got a great, great state-of-the-art facility, and it's easy to get to. It's convenient. It's located at US 1 and 104th Street. It is just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or, if you want even more convenience, go online. And you can look at the entire inventory online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, it's your premier luxury dealership. And remember, Williamson is Miami. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hurricanes Weekly, driven by Williamson Cadillac, Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. This week, the ACC released the football schedule for 2020. Don Bailey Jr. joins us on the show now to take a look at the football schedule, plus the recent additions to the University of Miami football team. Joining us now, Don Bailey Jr. Big week, University of Miami football schedule is announced. DBJ, how you doing? I'm doing great, Joseph. How about yourself? I'm examining the schedule. and uh, I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I, think, uh, I, I think you're okay September and October, but I, I know October 31st uh, you start scratching your head. Well, that's about the time we start crossing over with basketball. So I'll go through the schedule here uh, for our listeners, and then you and I will uh, talk about it. Plus, uh, we've got some other things to discuss as well in terms of what uh, the Hurricanes have done here uh, in the offseason. They have a quarterback now, so we'll get around uh, another quarterback, so we'll get around to all that. Uh, the season will open up on September the 5th at home against Temple. First three games are at home, Temple, Wagner, University of, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Then Miami on September the 26th goes on the road at Michigan State. We'll talk about that in a moment. October, Miami is home against Pittsburgh. Then a Friday night game at Wake Forest. October 24th, home against North Carolina. Then on the road, Halloween night at Virginia. That has always been a house of horrors. So appropriate that Miami mm-hmm. plays there on Halloween night. November 7th, the Seminoles will come to Hard Rock Stadium. November 14th, Miami goes to Virginia Tech. November 21st, Miami goes to Georgia Tech. And the season wraps up uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, November 28th, against Duke. So all Saturdays, that's good, except for one at Wake Forest on a Friday night. Hate that. And... Uh, then I see uh, my pet peeve would be uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech back to back. So there you have that's the schedule. And we got a got Georgia Tech around that time too, right? Yeah, I Georgia mean, that's, Tech uh, right after it's, it's Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech all in a row. But your two biggest yeah. rivals back to back. Yeah, that's uh, 
you know, that, 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 I don't like to see that as well. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending how you look at it, uh, one bye week, right? <laughs> this year, one bye week. Up yep. with, uh, stacked up with three bye weeks. But, you know, Joe, you know, it's going to be it's – a, it's a challenging schedule in the sense that uh, the Michigan State game to me, I think, is uh, – no matter no matter what their record is, no matter what college football thinks that they're going through right now, that is that's a very very tough environment. And they're a well coached team and they're an experienced team with an experienced coach. So Miami's going to have to be hitting on all cylinders by the time they get to that game. And as you mentioned, uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech back to back. You know, the only thing you can say is, well, Miami was able to get Virginia Tech and Notre Dame back to back a few years ago, but that was at home. That's not the case this time. Well, I, my, my, per, my uh, uh, observation is, uh, always has been, uh, that Miami-Florida State game, I think it also works the same way for Florida State. Uh, the week after, you're, you're battered and bruised. And yep. that's always – and, of course, your morale is affected by what happens on the scoreboard as well. And by we know we've been down this road so many times, the more important game – uh, conference record-wise is Virginia Tech, but we all know that Florida State is the important game. Correct, and I and I and I don't think uh, you know a lot of people don't realize you come out of that game punch drunk, and you end up having to go to uh, Virginia Tech, and that 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 stadium uh, is is tough a place to play, especially that time of year. It's mid-November. It's not going to be. Uh, weather that I would say is conducive for a Miami Hurricane football player, uh, if I had a choice. But I mean, it's you know, there's no telling what it's going to be there. But that place on the road, going back to back, you really got to make sure that you have an understanding mentally what you're walking into. At Florida State, obviously, but that that game takes care of itself mentally. And I and I'm with you. You know, you can't you can't let your guard down one bit against Virginia Tech. It seems that they've got their quarterback issue was settled against us last year and it really turned their program around and Justin Fuente as well. It's helped him. So, you know, they're expecting a lot of great things out of the Hokies. And as you mentioned, that time of year, it starts to be money time. It's playoff time. It, it, this is when everything starts to count and being that that is a conference game against Virginia tech, that'll even put more weight on it. I would say to fans that they want a place to go Michigan state in late September is a great venue. Uh, the, the stands are right on top of the field. I did the game there in 89. Uh, Gino Toretta came on for an injured Craig Erickson and Carlos Huerta kicked the game-winning field goal. Uh, but that's the place that holds 76, 78,000. They are right on top of you. Uh, fans in the Midwest are friendly. The tailgating is great. Uh, that should be quite an afternoon. And, of course, you mentioned the game itself. Michigan State prides themselves on being a very physical team. So uh, that'll be a great challenge. But from an atmosphere standpoint, Michigan State is a really good place to visit. It really is. I, you know, if you're one that travels and we've got some great fans that do hit the road and watch their Miami Hurricanes, uh, that, that's one I'm looking forward to. I haven't, ever, I haven't ever been there. I've played against Michigan State as when I was at Miami, when I played, but I've never been to that stadium. I've never been actually uh, played a game in the state of Michigan. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think it's going to be very, very exciting. And I'm with you. Make your reservations now. And that, if you're going on the road game, that's the one right there. All right, Miami today, today Miami this week, 
uh, landed a quarterback, De'Ara King from Houston. And uh, some would look at that and say, okay, this is a transfer, a guy transferring up, which often happens. Uh, we've seen that in basketball at the University of Miami. Jack McClinton transferred up from Siena to Miami. Now his number is retired at the Watsco Center. So it does work. De'Ara King against Power 5 teams was very good. Uh, at Houston, when he played against the Power 5 teams, he averaged 37 points a game. In those games, he had 10 touchdowns and no interceptions as a member of the Houston Cougars in four games against Power 5 teams. So I don't think he was intimidated by moving up in, in, in competition. Joe, I've, I've watched him play, and um, he piqued my interest at the beginning of the season when I was looking, you know, at the national picture. And this guy is a difference maker. I mean, and, and I mean that sincerely. And, you know, you look, when I, when I saw that Miami was going to get him, and I think the, the Miami football staff and head coach Manny Diaz deserve a lot, a lot of credit for landing him. And, and the new offensive coordinator, Brett Lashley, and him being able to convince King that this is the place for him and you know the teams that were in the running were, were LSU and were uh, of course Oregon and there was there was teams Maryland that are brand name teams as well that could have used his help but I just say what did Bryce Perkins do his first year or his second year however you want to do it for Virginia he put him on the map yep. I mean he, he 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 got him in the Orange Bowl I mean, so if, if you're wondering what a transfer can do or what this guy can do, yes, it's a one-year deal. You look at his numbers at every position because he's got impressive numbers as a return guy. He's got pres- impressive numbers as a receiver. Uh, there was He played running back in high school. He's got top-end speed. And I have some friends that are on the staff at the University of Houston now, and I, th- I was talking to them on Sunday, and they're saying that without question – this guy's a legit quarterback, and we've seen now that you know the five eleven guy, the six foot guy, can play this game professionally, and certainly in college. But when I look at him, he may very well be the best slot guy on the team as we speak. He might be one of the best running backs on the team, and we're going to see what happens. You know, based on his tape, you got to put him in there that he may be the best or most consistent, let's say that, the most consistent quarterback on the team right now. And the, the historical perspective I get out of him is touchdown to interception. And, you know, the rearview mirror, it's pretty easy to pick out what happened to Miami last season. They had a horrible kicking game. They didn't, you know, if they had that fixed, that would, that would this whole conversation would have been a lot different. And you had quarterbacks that, decided to throw three picks in a couple different games, which nobody can overcome. So, you know, you're going to throw interceptions, but you don't want to throw three of them in a football game. And that's where King, to me, has has been the most impressive as the quarterback. I think physically, I don't think he's got any peers. When you realize what he has done in his college career at multiple positions and then just come in and pick up the quarterback spot – at the level that he's in for the coaching that he's had and the conference that he's had against the competition, he's an amazing young man. And again, this was a steal. This, I mean, they, they, Miami, University of Miami did a phenomenal job landing him. He, whether it was him or the Wake Forest guy, 
you you can flip the coin on them. But the two most important players in the portal they got, and then Miami got the third one with the defensive end from Temple. Temple. Yeah. Well, first about the quarterback. Find me another quarterback that has a kickoff return for a touchdown. At any rate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, That's what I'm saying. He's, I mean, he just produces. He's a playmaker. He, I, I do want to get to Roach in, in, in one second, I, and I want to pick up on uh, the offense. And I, I mentioned this to Hawk and Crowder yesterday, and I know you and I have had this discussion a million times, and you played offensive line. And I've been telling you, saying to you, the rules, the rules, the rules. If you don't take advantage of the rules in college football with releasing linemen and the RPO in the spread game, you're, you're not taking advantage of the game. You're not, you're not playing the game the right way, and now they're going to. Well, and the beauty of it is they hire an offensive line coach who grew up in this system, played rich for Rich Rodriguez, right? So he understands, he understands it as well as anybody because he lived it. He's coached it. He's coordinated it. He's been around it. He has a complete understanding. And I'm with you. You have to take advantage of every single aspect of the game. And having King in there at quarterback, now you are going 11 against 11 on every single snap. Now we'll get into the intricacies of the offense you know, during spring football, I'm sure. But I love the fact that the defense ask Manny Diaz what the nightmare is you and I uh, spent the last two years before Miami played Virginia he he walked in there and scratched his head every time we talked to him about Bryce Park because they were they were worried to death about it as was Blake Baker this year so this type of quarterback puts a strain on every single defense in the country and the offense as you mentioned it takes advantage of every aspect that the rule book will let them the defensive end, Roche, uh, 26 sacks in 35 games. In seven games yeah. against power, five teams, which include Notre Dame. He had five tackles. Two of his three highest tackle games came against power five teams. He had nine tackles against Boston College. He had eight tackles against Duke. Oh, that's good, since uh, we had a little trouble with Duke recently. <laughs> and uh, he had a sack in a game against the Fighting Irish. So uh, he, too, against power five teams, was able to – uh, raise his level of play. Well, he, he's he's mature. And another conversation that you and I have constantly is the older team wins most of the time. And that Miami's got to get older. They got older at quarterback. They got older with Roche at defensive end. I like the fact when I watched him play that he can stand up, he can put his hand in the ground, and he can become a force. Now, we saw the, the great move that Miami made with Rousseau this year, moving him all over. And towards the end of the season, they had him standing up. They bring him in over the center and over the guard early in the season, creating a total physical mismatch, an athletic mismatch for those interior linemen. And now you've got two guys that are very, very similar with that. So I like the fact that you can't start sliding protections and you can't start chipping away at one, and then you've got him protected. You can put two or three guys over there and scheme against him, now, if you got bookends going at them like this, you create real, real problems, especially if Miami can elevate the play of Ford and, and, and those defensive tackles. I'll leave you with this. Uh, they also uh, were able to assign a wide receiver from San Diego. So I like that. I like this wide receiver signing without ever seeing him play one down. <laughs> I've not seen him play one down. Further, Joe? He's from, How about this? He's from San Diego. 
and he was recruited to Washington State. Here's what I know. I, I prepared for Washington State a couple of years ago, and Mike Leach did not have any wide receivers that could not catch <laughs> I or know get that's, open. That's the important thing. But another aspect of and, – and, and Manny Diaz went out there, uh, did an in-home visit. This young man was committed somewhere else. He's coming to the University of Miami sight unseen. He is a D1 player with great size and great speed. And there's not a wide receiver coach here when he signs. That, what's that tell you about his belief in this program and his opportunity with this quarterback coming in and this football team and what they've done this offseason? I think that's as, that's as impressive a thing as you can come up with. And the guy, he truly wanted to be a hurricane. He truly knew that he would be able to come in and have an opportunity to help. And he's, he's going to be enrolled early. And the best part about it, is that he's going to get in that strength and conditioning program with Coach Feely, and he's going to put on another 10 or 15 pounds in the next eight months and probably get a little bit faster, and he's going to add some competition to that room. Catch it for first downs. That's what I care about. Catch it for first downs. <laughs> you know you do. All right. Always good to talk with you. I'll be seeing you. Okay, Joseph. Have a good evening. All right. Take care. All right. That's uh, Don Bailey Jr. joining us. Thanks to Don Bailey Jr. for joining us. When we come back, West Durham of the ACC Network will be with us next as we continue on Hurricanes Weekly right after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hurricanes Weekly, Sunday, January the 26th, 2020. Our show is driven by Williamson Cadillac. Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. Joining us on the show now from the ACC Network, from the Packer and Durham Television Show, also the voice of the Atlanta Falcons to talk about ACC football and ACC basketball. Joining us now on Hurricanes Weekly is West Durham. And uh, with us now from the Packer and Durham Morning Radio Show, voice of the Atlanta Falcons and the ACC Network, is West Durham. D- did I miss any other titles? <laughs> it's, a, it's a TV show more than a radio show. Let's oh, that. yeah, that's right. It's a TV show now. I forgot about that, sort of. How are you doing? Uh, well, um, let's see. We lost by oh, 30 last night at Cameron night. Indoor Stadium. I got my driveway at 4 a.m., but I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, tough night at the office. <laughs> you have those. You know that. As they say. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, uh, absolutely. Duke is Duke is. I know we're going to talk about football and football scheduling, but Duke is very mm-hmm. very good. Uh, Coach L uh, talked with him earlier, and he and uh, Dick Vitale were talking about Matthew Hurt, and Vitale thinks Hurt could be uh, Larry Bird esque. Uh, the night I saw him against Boston College, he had twenty one in the first half. Yeah. Um. I think he's really, really good. I'll be interested to see how good he might be as a sophomore um, because I don't think he's defensively – you know, who knows? This never stopped anybody from going right. Um, I think he's probably got a few things defensively he wants to work on. I'm sure they want him to get bigger uh, just from a size perspective. And But he's, he is a talented kid. I, I think, the most, I think the, the most athletic kid they've got is obviously Stanley, Joe. But oh. – I think the the kid who's got the biggest upside to me, and this is just me, is Vernon Carey. 
And, you know, that'll come as no surprise to you or anybody that knows it. Just watching the young kid grow up, he's he's got a tremendous upside, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think um, he stays there, though. He's coming out. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I think there's there's all sorts of different, you know, dynamics in play for a kid like that. But I, I think he's got a tremendous, tremendous upside. I think he's, I think he's pretty solid, I for think, sure. I think, uh, you know, the pause, the hope for Miami uh, as they dig their way out of uh, some uh, – Injury situations this year and and yep. and misfortune of of you know what's going on in college basketball, uh, which put them behind the eight ball in the recruiting world and and I don't pe- think that people really ever understand that when you uh, have a cloud over your program, the lag or the drag mm-hmm. effect it has, it doesn't happen immediately. It's the year after and the year after that, and that's kind of where Miami is now. And then. Uh, some of the reinforcements are, are coming in, will be in play. I think with Coach L's leadership, that will return them to a more challenging spot inside the ACC. I think so. I think you. I think Miami and, you know, Carolina doesn't have, and I think if there's some runoff of the, you know, what was coming down on the Carolina situation, maybe that's some of it. I think the other part of it is, is that, you know, if you go through it enough, you're going to get caught short one year, and Carolina got caught short, and then the Anthony injury compounded that in the group that you're going to see Saturday. And I think, you know, they, they don't have a wing score. They don't have a Luke May. They don't have a Cameron Johnson. They don't have a, you know, Reggie Bullock. You, t- you take your pick. Carolina does not have a six 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 five guy that can go get it, you know, from a scoring perspective. It's either Garrison Brooks or Cole Anthony when he's healthy, or, you know, somebody of that nature. And Carolina just struggles mightily to score the basketball. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they play tonight at Virginia Tech because, as you all know, the Hokies, they knock down four or five threes, and they're off and running now. I mean, the way Mike Young coaches them up, that is a dangerous basketball team night in and night out in the ACC. But there are a handful of them like that. I mean, I saw Clemson with no ACC wins beat NC State, and all of a sudden they took off. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of you know, from this group of teams from 4 to 15, who kind of grabs it and, and stays with it as we move through the longest conference schedule we've ever had, for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, 20 games going to be a grind. That's uh, – mm-hmm. uh, I find it very interesting. It's going to be very challenging. I'm not sure the coaches like it a whole lot. But um, it's going it, to – it's uh, – I don't know what the, what the uh, end result will be in terms of – if it will help get more teams in the tournament or knock them out, I, I don't know. I saw someone the other day say uh, they thought the conference would only get four teams in. I can't quite believe that, but I do know this. Uh, it is a slugfest to get through. It was a slugfest to get through 16, and now they're going to try to get through mm-hmm. 20. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I, I think there's going to be an interesting uh, – we were talking about it this morning on the show. There's about you know 10 weeks left, essentially, right? Um, when you look at it all the way through. And it's uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see kind of how in the next in the next two months, let's say, or the next nine months, nine weeks, um, maybe a little less than that, seven weeks, when you start compounding week after week after week, between now and Greensboro, there is one team that plays a game against a non-conference opponent and everything else is conference ball. One game, and that's Morehouse against Georgia Tech. 
to fill a gap in the Jackets' schedule that they lost. Everything else is a conference game, Joe. And I mean, the way this thing is right now, with the exception of two or three teams, Louisville, Florida State, Duke, it is a man's man game. It is third and short every possession, seemingly. Um, I was doing some notes today. Road teams still had the advantage in conference games. And we are uh, about 35% of the games played have been five points or less or overtime. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that's where we are. The, the road thing is, is remarkable uh, because it's so damn mm-hmm. hard to win. They're about Coach L, up until, you know, this situation set in, he was uh, one of the top four inside the ACC and winning on the road. Right. And I'm not surprised. Jim's a tremendous coach. And it's one of those things now where, you know, Luke Hancock and I were having this discussion a couple of weeks ago. He is, he's done as much with what he has from an inventory perspective the last couple of years as anybody coaching college basketball. There's yeah. no question about that. Well, I think they'll return to, uh, uh, you know, two years ago, they were number three in the conference. I think people kind of forget about that, but uh, yeah, no question. You know, I think mm-hmm. uh, we'll see him climb back up. He's just going to require a little more patience to, dig out of this situation, unfortunate situation. Meanwhile, uh, mm-hmm. in football, it's uh, not even February, but the schedule is out. Uh, the football schedule yep. is out, so we're all, you know, jumping all over that, uh, trying to guess records. Uh, what jumped out to you for the football schedule? <laughs> well, I think the, the first thing is the ACC has anywhere from, depending on the way you want to craft the list, I think the conference has anywhere from, eight to 11 games that uh, if they're successful in half or more, I think they can really restore themselves nationally from what was a tough year last year. Um, and Miami plays a role in that. I, I mean, your ball game at Michigan State late September, I think September 26th is going to be one of the really interesting days of ACC football that we have during the year. But I think certainly Miami at Michigan State is one of those games. Uh, and I do believe that's part of this, Joe. I think that as good as the league is, with you can have a dominant team, but you need to have some other contenders, if you will, in the mix. And uh, certainly with the, the changes that uh, the coach Diaz made following the end of the season and Rhett Lashley, who I've got a lot of respect for as a, as an offensive guy. And then, you know, to get the Eric King was just, uh, you know, uh, tremendous from a perspective of a guy who is a playmaker to go with the guys who you're going to return that are playmakers. Um, you know, and then, and then what Rhett does offensively, um, you know, it's hand and glove kind of fit when I look at it if the offensive line continues to gel. So I'm excited to see what happens, particularly with Miami. The schedule, I think, is interesting for them because, you know, for Temple, Wagner, UAB, and then Michigan State, and then you play eight straight league games, of which five of the last six are against the Coastal, and three of those are on the road. So I think you got to make hay early um, and then uh, and then knuckle down for the, uh, for the final half, month and a half of the season. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about their schedule is Florida State and Virginia Tech back to back. Yeah, I think you know the interesting thing, and you know it's a wonder these schedules get together and, and they're as symmetrical and as balanced as they are, given the number of schools in play. I think what people forget is is that the 14 week schedule last year, where you played 12 games, and of course Miami played a longer schedule because you opened with Florida, but I think the 14 week schedule. And the 13-week schedule, there's a hell of a lot of difference. I mean, you get the – for the most part, these teams have buys, and uh, I think they all come in week six, six, seven, or eight with only a couple of exceptions in the ACC. So, you know, 13 weeks is a little bit trickier puzzle to put together. And, um, 
you can only do so much with the room you've got. And I think that, that makes it tougher for for schools like Miami when you know you're going to play Florida State at the crossover and end up with, you know, Virginia Tech behind it. And then, you know, you got you got scenarios playing out um, where you have Virginia in front and Carolina two weeks before that. And yeah. the other thing, too, is the way the league's going, Joe, they're, they're not going to be any layups anymore. I mean, everybody's going to seemingly have some punch about them. Well, and, uh, and that's going to make interesting, too. I noticed it uh, looks like uh, the league has gone away from Thursday night football. They start the season with Thursday night, a doubleheader on Thursday mm-hmm. night, uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech, North Carolina State and Louisville. And there's another Thursday or two in there, but it looks like they've made yeah. the shift to Friday nights, which probably isn't going to be uh, make everybody happy either. But if, if you ask me, I'd play them all on Saturday. But uh, they, they have moved away from Thursday because the NFL, I guess, has claimed Thursday night now. Well, I think you've got to make a decision if you're if you're involved in these television contracts. And let's be honest, we all know what you know. The, the reason the money's gone to where the money's gone is part and parcel because of television, right? Um, and Thursday and Friday, you know, 25 years ago when I started at Georgia Tech, Thursday night was the hottest night in college football. It was a national stage, yeah. and Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech were two schools in particular that were extremely active and aggressive about playing on Thursday nights, and it was a thing that. I think really allowed those programs to surface, and it helped the ACC. I think in the early ninety or late nineties and early two thousands to play Thursday night. But you know, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, Joe, from my perspective in, in doing the NFL, Rich McKay told me that the NFL saw the advantage that the college game got from Thursday night football. I mean, the Thursday night NFL is not by mistake at all. That is. Uh, that's a that's a an organization and a league that saw the success the college game had on Thursday night, and they took it. And Friday night football is intriguing. It doesn't work for everybody. It's not for everybody. Um, but I think in some cases you got to do it once to find out, and you got to do it with a, an opponent where you know you may get a bigger crowd on a Saturday. You may or may not get a bigger crowd on Saturday. I, I think you've got to find out where your fan base is and check your fans' temperature on Friday nights. And I think it's smart that you get away from Thursday. I don't think you can do a cold turkey. I think you've got to slowly kind of wean yourself off of it. Uh, there are some advantages to doing it early to start the season. Um, but I also believe, too, that you know, long-term that you're going to get you know, more quality games played on Saturday, and there may be an exception here or there as you move through the calendar. Here's a little history for you. In the old, old days, the University of Miami mm-hmm. played on Friday nights. And the, one of the reasons why they played on Friday nights is because on the scoreboard on Saturday they put them put them up as Miami as Flor- Miami Florida, right? <laughs> Rather, you know, there was Miami yeah. of Ohio and Miami of Florida, right? And the University of Miami wanted to be recognized as University of Miami, and also so they would play on Friday. They played Friday nights, and uh, that wow. was one of the one of the small reasons they played on Friday nights. Also, Friday night back in the '60s and early '70s, they, I guess was a it was a, a big night here, um, but they wanted their name to be recognized as University of Miami. And then Thursday nights, uh, Thursday night was our big kickoff here when we used to do the Jimmy Johnson show on Thursday night. It worked out perfect, Wes, because he would do our show in a restaurant <laughs> and then go back to the campus, and he had his kind of his secret Thursday night meeting with his players. And really it was just to keep them all together so he knew where they were uh, the night before we traveled. 
I like it. And then he had like a little powwow with his team and talked about life and all of those things. But he would always come did do the show. Did you and Sonny go get dinner when that happened? When Jimmy went to the meeting, did you and Sonny go get dinner? We didn't have to. The, the show was at Tony Roma's. They brought, we we're right there. <laughs> <laughs> the original Tony Rome. Yeah, Jimmy would have, Jimmy would have a, a Heineken, but he would put it in a in a in a in a, in a cup, a glass, so nobody can, could tell he was drinking beer. And he always had his Heineken with with ice cubes. Oh, you can tell the story awesome. now. The statute of limitations is out. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I hope. And we're older and more distinguished, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, before we let yeah. you go, I did notice Clemson plays Notre Dame. At the, near the end yep. of the season, that'd be a hell of a could be a great finish. At the beginning of the year, Virginia plays Georgia, and Carolina's got Auburn. Yep, it's uh, in fact you'll see that uh, NC uh, Florida State plays West Virginia, Virginia plays Georgia, and Carolina plays Auburn, and it's all in the same building over two weeks. Wow. How's that? Yeah, that's right. They all play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, where they've crafted a triple header this year, and then later in the year, Georgia Tech plays Notre Dame in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Wow, so the Irish get Georgia so Tech. Atlanta, and Atlanta's going to be a busy spot yeah. for the ACC, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Florida State, by the way, they got to go out and play Boise. Uh, they lost at yep. home. Now they got to. Uh, now they got to go out there and play, and that's not going to be an easy trip. Nope. That'll be uh, that'll be really interesting to see how that plays. And then when you look at the way some of these schools structured their schedule, you're going to have to get that done early. You're going to have to create your own momentum, and I think Mike Norvell falls into that category. And I would say too that you know a school like NC State now you look at you look at opening with Louisville and then coming back to playing Mississippi State in week two, I mean you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go find it there too, you know. Uh, Clemson, you know they go jump right into conference play, open up with Georgia Tech and then they play Louisville in week two. Yep, those are those are two big games, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Virginia rather so, Clemson, uh, uh, Louisville had themselves a nice season last year. I really like that coach. Now, uh, they mm-hmm. lose a few players, but they've got a nice running scheme, and the running back and the wide receiver and the quarterback all came back. Yeah. Plus, they've, you know, Satterfield does a good job. He's a he's a tremendous coach. You know that. You played up there when uh, when he was at Alpha yeah. a few years ago, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So, it's, it's going to be interesting. This league is better. I, I think it takes a beating a little bit because – People don't want to give it its due. And Mark pointed this out this morning when we did the reveal on the show, Joe. I think that's why, in all honesty, the league has to win some of these non-conference games in the first four weeks. I mean, they're, you know, you, we've already talked about most of them, but I'd throw in Virginia Tech, Penn State. I mean, that's a game you got to win if you're the league. Um, you talked about FSU, Boise, Miami, and Michigan State. I would certainly put on that list. I think there's seven of them in the first four weeks that if the ACC found a way to go five and two, it'd be really, really good. And maybe give this league a little uh, a little credibility in the streets as we unfold the fall. Now, I didn't see the Virginia Tech Penn State, but that would be a hell of a game. Uh, yep, uh, in Blacksburg, by the yeah. way. Oh boy, oh, you don't boy. think they won't be waiting on James Franklin, do you? Oh yeah, Notre Dame plays Wake Forest also in that game's in Charlotte. Uh, that's Week Four. Yep. So, all right, well we're gonna uh, we have a long time to talk about all of that. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you got to get up in probably about two or three hours, so. Uh, <laughs> Hey, anytime you call and I can do it, I'll be there. What's your next basketball you game? I am at uh, Syracuse on Saturday for a little Big East renewal, the Pitt Panthers and the Orange visit. And uh, I know you are, you're headed to Chapel Hill, right? Yeah, we had Chapel Hill on Saturday. And, and then uh, I want to thank the ACC for taking us out of town on Super Bowl Sunday to play at Pittsburgh. 
Won't be any trouble flying, will there? <laughs> well, it might be. It might get back in time for kickoff, but you know, Super Bowl's in our That's town, and they sent us on the road. Oh well. Well, you know, hey, better than having to broadcast that thing. Uh, yeah, good luck to those guys. Let you're in, in the NFL. Give a uh, Papa a call in San Fran. Is he still in San Fran? And uh, uh, yes, yeah, Greg Papa still does the uh, 49ers in his second year, and I've already texted Mitch Holtis and yeah. told him to. Bring a high-powered telescope. Yeah, tell him to bring his telescope with him, and good luck. Hope hope that the game-winning touchdown isn't in the east corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take care, my man. All, All right, Wes, thank you. See you, Joe. All right, Wes you Durham bet. of uh, Packer and Durham. All right, thanks to Wes Durham for joining us on the show, as well as Don Bailey, Jr., We will rejoin you on Tuesday from the Watsco Center as Miami takes on Virginia Tech in basketball. 8 o'clock tip-off will be on the air at 7.30. A reminder, this week the Hurricane Hotline is on Wednesday nights, January the 29th, the Hurricane Hotline Wednesday night. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Hurricanes Weekly. Have a great day, everyone. For this moment, can I have your attention, please, and talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Is Williamson Cadillac has been in this market for over 52 years in the luxury automobile market. You know, we were having a discussion earlier today about HD radio around here at the radio station, and uh, one of our engineers said, yeah, everybody in Miami has HD radio now because everybody gets new cars and it's a luxury car market. So that leads you to Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been in the luxury car uh, business for 52 years. And right now, you can check out the next generation of Cadillac, the Cadillac Escalade, the XT4, the CT6, the 2020 Cadillac XT6 with three rows of luxury. I'm driving the XT5. It is roomy. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's smooth. It's quiet. The XT5. So if you're looking for a classy crossover, may I recommend the XT5? You can visit Williamson Cadillac, they've got a great, great state-of-the-art facility, and it's easy to get to. It's convenient. It's located at US 1 and 104th Street. It is just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or, if you want even more convenience, go online, and you can look at the entire inventory online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, it's your premier luxury dealership. And remember, Williamson is Miami. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.